Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel here on the podcast. Guys, we are a week away, or not even a week away now, five days from the start of fall camp. It's Monday, August 1st. Fall camp opens up August 5th, and it's, it's go time. We are at media day for Oregon football on Wednesday. Uh, we are all back from Pac-12 media day this past Friday. And to continue our series, we're looking at Oregon's offensive line to get you ready for the start of fall camp. Uh, We've already done quarterback, running back, and then wide receiver tight end. You can find those on the show page or go to duckterritory.com. And we should remind you right now, if you are not a subscriber and if you're considering, if you've ever considered doing it, do it now. 50% off an annual subscription. That gets you all of fall camp, gets you all of recruiting period for 2023. Uh, the early signing period, the the late signing period, it gets you a good chunk of the 2024 class. It gets you all of basketball season, all of basketball recruiting periods. gets you all of baseball season. Uh, it gets you spring football. It, it's a huge deal. Take advantage of it right now. 50% off. Go to duckterritory.com for more. All right, offensive line. Um, this is a position, guys. Not much has changed for now the third year. Um, for this unit with basically everybody back. Um, the only person who's not back that started last year is George Moore, who's now on the Green Bay Packers practice squad. Um, everybody else is back. And I don't care that it's a new head coach. It's a new offensive system. It's a new offensive line coach. Expectations for this unit should be really, really high. There's a reason why two of – them are on the preseason Pac-12 first team in TJ Bass and Alex Forsyth. I mean, this is this is a veteran group. This is a known commodity. And it, I think as we've talked about, if you listen to our previous shows, it's a new quarterback. It's going to be new running backs, and it's going to be almost exclusively new receivers. Tight end is the only position where you've got some continuity besides offensive line, and those are like two true sophomores. Um, I mean, the, the offense has a lot of newness. And, and, and new, as you said, new scheme, new position coaches – New head coach. I mean, there's offensively, there are very few things that you are carrying over from last couple of years. The offensive line is that one thing that kind of like, I don't know, what do you want to say, the foundation of some yeah. sort of experience. I think it's important that there's a position group like this. And as we learned in the spring, it was really close to not being a position with as much continuity. It sounds like if Alex Forsyth and Ryan Walk hadn't made some pleas to Bass and Big Sala, that this could be a really different looking group. Um, but I, th- I think it's really, I think it's really important that they have some continuity here, uh, just because of as we said, lacking into other positions. And I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I think that the, the expectation should be, this is one of the stronger units in the Pac-12, one of the better units, maybe nationally. I know it's not going to be a top top tier unit just because there's not really a top tier first round, second round guy on the team. I mean, I think T.J. Bass is probably your top draft prospect, and I don't know where he is right now in terms of expectations as a prospect maybe he's mid middle round guy back end of the back end you know rounds four through six probably is about where he lands i would imagine barring an incredible season 
Um, you have some younger guys in the roster, certainly, who have more high ceilings. But I think the feeling right now is it is going to be those five guys who are all players who started at least eight games a year ago. Most of them have started every game the year before. And now it's sort of a matter of kind of figuring out where they all fit. And I did speak with Alex Forsythe at Media Day about that. And obviously, he knows he's playing center. The rest of it, I think there's potential for some movement, it sounded like. you know. And, and I'll, I'll post some of his thoughts on a story later this week. But it, I kind of got the sense, okay, in the spring it was left tackle TJ Bass. Or sorry, Stephen Jones left tackle. TJ Bass was left guard. Forsythe was center. And then it was Ryan Walk and Big Sala, right guard, right tackle. I got the sense that we could see some reshuffling of the deck there um, potentially in the fall. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But I think those five guys feel like they're going to be the guys. The only kind of potential wild card is like, could Josh Connerly be incredible? And as I wrote in a story with um, Alex Forsythe's thoughts, not that he can't be, but I think it's, it's also appropriate to temper expectations and understand not everyone's Penny Sewell. Yes, not everybody is Penny Sewell. Um, just quickly, I think this is the most important group to have a returning group of starters for with your offensive line. Matt mentioned it, Eric mentioned it too. New offense, new position coaches, new basically everything on offense except for your second-year tight ends and your second-year receivers. Um, you know, I did Chris Hudson, people like that too. But uh, this is the most important one to have. You know, If your offensive line isn't there, if that's a new group that's getting along with a new quarterback, that's going to be – a lot of issues and with these with multiple people on this offensive line this is not their first new offensive coordinator this is not their first run in in this kind of situation um a lot of these guys are used to it uh they are they are all very familiar with each other like eric mentioned um without Forsyth and walk kind of talking through and talking to bass and talking to sala um it could look like an entirely different offensive line. Uh, just real quick, I do think that even if it did look like a different offensive line, I think I think Oregon has some some good pieces behind them as well. Uh, you, Eric mentioned Josh Connerly is a five-star incoming freshman. We'll see how he looks in practice, but odds are he's probably going to be pretty good just based off of how people have talked about him before. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson is still a guy. Uh, either center or one of the guard positions. He, he filled in last year as a true freshman. Um, obviously, I'm very high on him. I've been saying for like a year at this point about how I think he could be plugged and played into the starting lineup whenever he needs to be. Um, Marcus Harper is another guy who looked promising during spring camp. Um, you know, Dawson. Bay, Don't forget Dawson. Dawson. Is, I was he's, getting there. He's played, getting more, he's played way more than the other guys you mentioned, so he should get some love, man. Fair, fair. Yeah, Dawson, another guy who can play – any position on the offensive line. I think he's practiced at center, but probably wouldn't be playing center. Um, he fills in at left or right guard. He did that a lot last season. Um, Feo Lalu is someone who I think could be pretty good. He hasn't he hasn't really gotten a chance to do anything, but um, he's just such a big guy and moves pretty well for his size. So, you know, worst case scenario, I do think that the Ducks have enough depth, even though offensive line was hit pretty hard in the transfer portal this past season. Uh, during the season, after the season, and the off-season workouts, um, that was one of the hardest-hit positions. But I do think that the the depth that Mario Cristobal built up in the past is still there. Um, and I think that going into it, I think offensively, this is the most talented unit on the team. Um, just because of, even though there's not a first-round guy like Eric mentioned, uh, I think all of these players have a legitimate chance of potentially making an NFL roster. I think there's only maybe two or three guys who, Maybe wouldn't, but I I do really like this unit. I think it's 
probably maybe the second highest in terms of just talent on the roster, maybe behind linebacker. But um, I think it's, again, like I started this all off with, I think it's extremely important that offensive line has this kind of continuity on a team like this. That's actually a perfect segue because I don't, so good job, Jared. Thank you. You're welcome. I really appreciate yeah, you're welcome. It. I re- appreciate this transition. Um, I don't think any of us have doubts of who the five starters are going to be. Maybe there's one guy out of the five positions. Maybe we all have different opinions of where these, these five guys start, but the five guys we kind of all agree on. And Jared touched on a little bit, but is there – so there's, there's not much there to debate along the starting unit. The second unit, is there depth here? Do, do we feel confident – Jared says yes. Do we feel confident that this group – from a long-term perspective, if injuries, God forbid, hit this group hard, do they have the depth to withstand those? I Part of me says yes. Part of me sides with Jared. But part of me also is a little worried about just, yes, JPJ is there, and yes, Dawson is there. But after those guys, there's not a lot of experience. Now, there's also the adage of if you're experienced but you're not good, what does it matter? And these, these guys that they've got coming up in the program are all talented recruits. So in theory, they should be ready to go. They should be able to help in, in short spurts. I think that's the question with this offensive line group is, do they have the depth necessary to withstand a guy getting hurt? Or you know, do they have the long-term projections that, that they want? If it's a guy, I feel great. If it's two guys, I feel great. If you get to three or four guys, I don't know how good I feel. But I mean, I don't know what the likelihood of that is. Um, right. It could, and, and if that happens, it, this position you might be talking about it like it's linebacker last year. Remember, yep. I, mean, I think you'll forget how many guys at linebacker got hurt. That wasn't always necessarily a depth issue. That was like just the most incredible streak of bad luck. It was like four of your top five inside linebackers were like suddenly out for the season, and you're like, cool, let's figure this out. And you just don't have that many guys in the roster who are capable of filling in at that point, once you get through your, your regular depth. And I mean, I, I, I feel pretty good. I mean, I'm trying to pull up here cause I know at some point they had the uh, snap counts for, for Oregon's offensive line on the, the site's game notes. So I want to try to find this. Cause I think Dawson Jaramillo basically had as many snaps as like the starters last year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. If I could find it. Um, is that it? Yeah, there it is. I found it. Yeah. So he had 329, snaps last year and Forsyth had 572 Ryan Watt had 577 so he was a pseudo starter and that's kind of why I was being a bit of a jerk earlier with Jared and Button in there because I think Dawson is probably the most valuable component here because as Matt says if there's an injury Dawson could probably play either tackle spot he could play either guard spot I think JPJ would be your natural center in in a pinch uh, or slide over Ryan Watt potentially which was to happen last year right Uh, and if that's the case so I mean, I think you've got those two guys are, are natural fits at guard. I do think the concern is tackle for me. If 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 one of Jones or Big Sala were to go down, it might be a simple. And this is where this positional versatility comes in as sliding TJ Bass back out to tackle. If you feel confident with that, um, but if there's an injury there and Bass is not comfortable moving back to tackle or whatever happens, I do think you have some concerns, and that might be where you find out how ready Josh Connerly is. I also know you know Big Fayope. Big Ope uh, is a full-time tackle, according to Alex Forsythe. That's where he fits. He's, he's in, the, in the spring, I think we weren't sure if it was inside or outside. He told me mm-hmm. he's a tackle. So there, there, there's some kind of clarity there. I think he would be the other one to watch. And Dawson, frankly, I think 
I'm gonna see if this this might actually have it by position he played. Oh, it does not. Okay, I didn't I didn't know. I know Dawson played a little right tackle last year at, at times too. So, um, you know, I, I think there's enough there. Um, I think I feel pretty good about that position in 22. I know this isn't what the podcast is about. I think you get into 23, you do get some concerns about how all this comes together. I think you could put together a really solid five for 23. And again, this isn't the exercise because there's a whole off season where you could sign a bunch of big recruits, although it doesn't look great right now, or add some transfer portal guys. And you'd probably have a great five. I do have concerns like long-term at depth, but that's what this season is about in some regards is getting Dave Iuli ready. It's getting Michael Wooten ready. Mm -hmm. It's getting Kuika Rogers ready. Who It seems like there's some buzz that he's maybe a little bit better of a prospect than some thought coming in. So I feel pretty decent if it's a couple of injuries. I, if it, if it's three or four guys are out with serious injuries for the season, that's going to hurt, but that's going to be the case regardless of how talented you think a position group is. Yeah. I was going to say if there's three or four guys who are hurt for the season, I, I don't know what team is going to have you know confidence in their backups at that point because I you know a lot of a lot of good teams in the country have their Dawson Jarmillos where it's their sure. their sixth guy off the bench but once sure. you get to your seventh eighth maybe even a ninth guy I don't think any team across the country has that much confidence right. that they'll be able to replace a starter um, but like Eric just went through I I'm pretty darn confident in the reserves in this team and you know I went through the list earlier but I didn't even mention Dave Iuli or Michael Wooten or Kalika Rogers who. Um, all come in as decently rated prospects. Dave Ioli, the highest of the three. Um, if one of those guys just hits the ground running, it could work. It's kind of like a Stephen Jones where he had to play his freshman year. Go ahead, Eric. Bram Walden's a name to know too. Bram Walden is a name to know. I was going to mention him. Just one Because he is the fourth or fifth highest rated offensive line recruit to ever sign with Oregon. I did that those top ten recruit lists. Uh, gosh, probably a month ago or something like that that you can read on Duck Territory. Um, again, he's been he's been injured a lot. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities for him to get playing time because of who's in front of him. But again, he was that highly ranked for a reason. Um, you look at if, if if he's a guy like like Stephen Jones was his freshman year, and he just kind of clicks things click. He could easily be one of your starting tackles come twenty twenty three. I really like the depth of this group and what Eric touched on in terms of what it looks like in the future is certainly something to consider and certainly something that we will probably be talking about eventually. But for now, um, I think this group probably runs eight deep, maybe even nine deep, depending on um, what it looks like with Feope or Marcus Harper um, or even with, with, with Josh Connerly. Um, and I think that's a real luxury to have of your Oregon. Um, I don't, I mean, I would look at it like last season, when Alex Forsyth went down, Ryan Walk just switched to center. It's like, okay. And then when Ryan Walk went down, they still had somebody to come in and replace him and shuffle up the line and move TJ Bass to left tackle, bring Jackson Powers Johnson in. It's no different this year. None of those people who came in left. Um, you had guys leave during the season and after it, but they weren't really in during, they weren't really playing as much as these other guys. So there's there's no one who really left from last season's team where they, you know, had to glue together the offensive line at points. The guys that, by the way, Matt, sorry, the guys that left last year played a combined 21 snaps a season ago. Not a lot. No. I, but I think we have to end it with this podcast with a little bit of Josh Connerly Jr. Because, look, he is the highest rated player um, – to sign with Oregon and 
at offensive tackle. And I, I think fair or not, and it's unfortunate it's fair or not, there's going to be expectations for him to play um, this season. And that's why I think it's unfair because he goes into a situation where he's almost going to have to be like Pene Sul-esque mm-hmm. to crack this rotation. He's going to have to be a player that in three years we're talking about a top 10 pick. And he could be. He very well could be. But that's what's going to be required of him, I think, to play a significant amount of snaps in 2022 is he's going to have to be at a freshman All-American level to, to, to be the starter or be a Dawson Jaramillo of 2021 but this upcoming season. Yeah, it'd be one thing if he was coming into a situation where it was like all, no no returning starters were back. Yeah. And it was like, okay, open competitions and his talent might just reign supreme and you might just roll the dice and say, maybe he's not quite as technically sound as player X, but man, he's so physically gifted. Let's just give him a shot. And by the end of the season, this is going to pay off. Oregon doesn't need to do that because Oregon has a bunch of guys who've played a ton of snaps. And even Penne, when he came in, they did return four starters, but Tyrell Crosby, the former left starting left tackle, was gone. And so there was a hole there. And that fit Penne. He ended up holding that job down and, and obviously ends up having one of the best two-year runs in program history at that position. Um, probably the best. if you, you know, I mean, At least the highs of being an Outland Trophy winner. I know he got hurt his freshman year, but <clears throat> that was incredible. Connerly isn't in, in that same isn't even in that same spot because there's no open spot. There's no job that's just out there. Um, there's no job that's just av- that's available. I'm not saying these aren't open competitions, but there are you know. Um, He's gonna have to unseat guys. a proven starter. Yeah. What's that? He has to unseat a proven starter. I mean, yeah, that's that's hard. That's really not that's not an easy thing to do at all. And so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I thought it was. I appreciated some of the sentiment Alex Forsyth shared when I spoke with him uh, down at media day last Friday of just like, you know, it's sometimes it's really unfair when you're a five-star recruit and everybody, you know, tells you you're going to be the guy right away and you have to be the guy right away. And I mean, I brought up to kind of frame it around, like, how about a Ty Thompson when he comes in and he goes, yeah, absolutely. Ty's really talented, but he's been here not even two years and everyone's already started to write him off. Like, how is that fair? Um, And so even if Josh Connerly doesn't have a productive season or doesn't even play very much this year, I hope fans don't say, oh, that he didn't, he didn't work out. That was a bust because he'll have almost an immediate opportunity in 23 to prove himself because Oregon could lose all five of these guys could go. I expect probably, well, four of them will have to go. And Steven yeah. Jones is one who has a year of eligibility left, but he would be a six year senior in 2023. I don't know if he wants to come back. All of his friends have basically been gone. You know, all the guys he was around have been gone. Not that it has to be social entirely, but I mean, I just don't it know. Helps. It helps, but I just don't know if that would be something. I mean, how long do you want to stay in college ultimately? So, um, Connerly will have his opportunities. I just think it actually may be a really positive thing that he won't have to be thrust into it right away. Um, that he'll have a year of working in this program. Of One of the things with Connerly is he was listed at like 285 pounds as a prospect. You're not going to be a very productive left tackle at that weight. You know, he needs to put on weight. I don't have updated weights. Forsythe did say he put on some really good weight this offseason already, but I think it's been, I think it's a good thing for Josh Connerly if he doesn't play. And it's a really good thing probably for Oregon if he proves so good that he has to play. Like, I think, I think regardless right. of outcome, it's a positive for probably Josh and the program because on one hand, if he doesn't play, that's a year where he can really kind of tool and, and learn around some really 
good veteran players. And if he does play, that means he's freaking awesome. And that means that that's a, that's a, you have an upgrade now at left tackle. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make. It's that it's really not a bad thing if he doesn't play just because yep. Oregon doesn't need him to play at all. Um, again, like we like we just ran through, there's seven, eight, nine guys who are projected already ahead of him in the depth chart. Um, if he's so good that he needs to play, then you'll let him play. You know, you slide TJ Bass to left guard and put him at left tackle, whatever the case may be. Um, at that point, you you know you just kind of you kind of struck oil type of deal. It's if he's that good and he's going to beat out TJ Bass or if he's going to beat out whoever it is and jump into the starting five where everybody returns as a starter, um, some for one year, some for two year guys. Um, let him. He's, if he's that good, he's going to be that good in general. Um, I don't anticipate that though, and I don't think any of us here do. Um, I anticipate to hear waves of really good things about him. Uh, similar, I guess, to how how sometimes we heard from about Kingsley that he was doing really well, but just you know wasn't good enough to be a day one starter. And um, but I don't I wouldn't expect Josh to to leave like like Kingsley did. And I just I mean for him for coming in as a five starter um, like Ty Thompson, I, I guess almost like Kingsley last year. And just to be assumed to be the guy, I mean, that's going to happen. Um, you will get people who, you know, question when they see the starting starting lineups or the starting starting eleven. Um, you know, why isn't why isn't Josh in the game? Why isn't he starting? Stuff like that. You'll see it. Uh, it'll just be silly. It'll be unfounded. Um, people just have to temper their expectations for these type of kids. And I know he's the highest rated offensive lineman to ever sign with the University of Oregon, but that doesn't mean he's going to be the best. Um, Panay Sewell is, is not the number one guy, obviously, now. I don't think he's number two anymore because of Kingsley's uh, signing the, the, the previous season. He's the best. He's the best in that two-year stretch. Um, he's going to go down probably as the best. And that's just kind of how recruiting works. Sometimes these guys pan out. Sometimes they don't. Um, for Oregon's case, I really hope that Josh does pan out because it'll be a blast to watch because nothing better than a really, really, really good left tackle. Um, we'll see, you know, but I would expect Josh to be riding pine and maybe redshirting in his freshman year, just based off of if everybody stays healthy. I think we've kind of laid out our thoughts along the offensive line and our feelings are that this is going to be a, a good unit in 2022. And the foundation has been laid for a, a future offensive line that should be pretty good in years to come as well. Um, you can read more coverage on, the offensive line and the Oregon Ducks as they prepare for fall camp, as well as recruiting on duckterritory.com. Make sure to check out the subscription promo, 50% off a year subscription to get you all the way through the season, all the way through the recruiting periods for not just football, but for basketball, it gets you through the baseball season as well. Huge deal. I, I highly encourage you guys to at least consider it. it, it I, I we're biased. We think it's worth it. Uh, but just give us a try, and I'm, I'm pretty confident our product will, will, will keep you happy with, with what you're getting. Uh, until the next podcast, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.